Section 34, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leonard Wilson. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 34. When it was the two hundred and tenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Armanus had agreed with his daughter on this wise, and had determined what course he would take, and night came on, Queen Budur arose from the throne of her kingdom, and betaking herself to the palace, entered the apartment prepared for her. There she found the wax candles lighted, and the princess Hayat al-Nufus seated and awaiting her. Whereupon she bethought her of her husband, and what had betided them both of sorrow and severance in so short a space. She wept and sighed and groaned, groan upon groan, and began improvising these couplets. News of my love fill all the land, I swear, As suns on Gaza wold, rain heat and glare. Speaketh his jest, but hard it's sense to say, Thus never cease to grow my cark and care. I hate fair patience, since I love thee. E'er sawest lover hate for love to bear? A glance that dealt love sickness dealt me death, Glances are deadliest things with torments rare. He shook his love-locks down and bared his chin, Whereby I spied his beauties dark and fair. My care, my cure, are in his hands, And he who caused their dolor can their dole repair. His belt went daft for softness of his waist, His hips for envy to uprise forbear. His brow curl-diademed is murky night. Unveil it, and lo, bright morn shows brightest light. When she had finished her versifying, she would have risen to pray, but lo and behold, Hayat al-Nufus caught her by the skirt and clung to her, saying, O my lord, art thou not ashamed before my father, after all his favor, to neglect me at such a time as this? When Queen Budur heard her words, she sat down in the same place and said, O oh, my beloved, what is this thou sayest? She replied, What I say is that I never saw any so proud of himself as thou. Is every fair one so disdainful? I say not this to incline thee to me. I say it only of my fear for thee from King Armanus, because he purposeth Unless thou go in unto me this very night, and do away my maidenhead, to strip thee of the kingship on the morrow, and banish thee his kingdom, and peradventure his excessive anger may lead him to slay thee. But I, O my lord, have ruth on thee, and give thee fair warning, and it is thy right to wreck. Now when Queen Budur heard her speak these words, she bowed her head groundwards a while in sore perplexity, and said in herself, If I refuse, I'm lost, and if I obey, I'm shamed. 
but i am now queen of all the ebony islands and they are under my rule nor shall i ever again meet my kamar al-zaman save in this place for there is no way for him to his native land but through the ebony islands verily i know not what to do in my present case but i commit my care to allah who directeth all for the best for i am no man that i should arise and open this virgin girl then quoth queen budur to hayat al-nufus o my beloved that i have neglected thee and abstained from thee is in my own despite and she told her her whole story from beginning to end and showed her person to her saying i conjure thee by allah to keep my counsel for i have concealed my case only that allah may reunite me with my beloved kamar al-zaman and then come what may and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the two hundred and eleventh night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the lady budur acquainted hayat al-nufus with her history and bade her keep it secret the princess heard her with extreme wonderment and was moved to pity and prayed allah to reunite her with her beloved saying fear nothing o my sister but have patience till allah bring to pass that which must come to pass and she began repeating none but the men of worth a secret keep with worthy men a secret's hidden deep as in a room so secrets lie with me whose door is sealed lock shot and lost the key and when hayat al-nufus had ended her verses she said o my sister verily the breasts of the noble and brave are of secrets the grave and i will not discover thine then they toyed and embraced and kissed and slept till near the muezzin's call to dawn prayer when hayat al-nufus arose and took a pigeon poult and cut its throat over her smock and besmeared herself with its blood then she pulled off her petticoat trousers and cried aloud whereupon her people hastened to her and raised the usual luli luing and outcries of joy and gladness presently her mother came in to her and asked her how she did and busied herself about her and abode with her till evening whilst the lady budur arose with the dawn and repaired to the bath and after washing herself pure proceeded to the hall of audience where she sat down on her throne and dispensed justice among the folk now when king armanus heard the loud cries of joy he asked what was the matter and was informed of the consummation of his daughter's marriage whereat he rejoiced and his breath swelled with gladness and he made a great marriage feast whereof the merry-making lasted a long time such was their case but as regards king shahriman it was on this wise after his son had fared forth to the chase accompanied by marzawan as before related he tarried patiently awaiting their return at nightfall but when his son did not appear he passed a sleepless night and the dark hours were long some upon him 
his restlessness was excessive his excitement grew upon him and he thought the morning would never dawn but when day broke he sat expecting his son and waited till noon but he came not whereat his heart forebode separation and was fired with fears for kamar al-zaman and he cried alas my son and he wept till his clothes were drenched with tears and repeated with a beating heart love's votaries i ceased not to oppose till doomed to taste love's bitter and love's sweet i drained his rigor cup to very dregs self-humbled at its slaves and freemen's feet fortune had sworn to part the loves of us she kept her word how truly well i weet and when he ended his verse he wiped away his tears and bade his troops make ready for a march and prepare for a long expedition so they all mounted and set forth headed by the sultan whose heart burnt with grief and was fired with anxiety for his son kamar al-zaman and they advanced by forced marches now the king divided his host into six divisions a right wing and a left wing a vanguard and a rearguard and bade them rendezvous for the morrow at the crossroads accordingly they separated and scoured the country all the rest of that day till night and they marched through the night and at noon of the ensuing day they joined company at the place where four roads met but they knew not which the prince followed till they saw the sign of torn clothes and sighted shreds of flesh and beheld blood still sprinkled by the way and they noted every piece of the clothes and fragment of mangled flesh scattered on all sides now when king shahriman saw this he cried from his heart core a loud cry saying alas my son and buffeted his face and plucked his beard and rent his raiment doubting not but his son was dead then he gave himself up to excessive weeping and wailing and the troops also wept for his weeping all being assured that prince kamar al-zaman had perished they threw dust on their heads, and the night surprised them shedding tears and lamenting till they were like to die. Then the king, with a heart on fire and with burning sighs, spoke these couplets. Chide not the mourner for bemourning woe, enough is yearning every ill to show. He weeps for stress of sorrow and of pain, and these to thee best evidence his low happy of whom love sickness swore that ne'er should cease his eyelids loving tears to flow he mourns the loss of fairest fullest moon shining o'er all his peers in glorious glow but death made drink a brimming cup what day he fared from natal country fain to go his home left he, and went from us to grief, nor to his brethren could he say adieu. Yea, his loss wounded me with parting pangs, and separation cost me many a throw. He fared, farewelling as he fared our eyes, when as his lord vouchsafed him paradise. 
and when King Shahriman had ended his verses, he returned with the troops to his capital. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and twelfth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Shahriman had ended his verses, he returned with the troops to his capital, giving up his son for lost, and deeming that wild beasts, a banditti, had set upon him and torn him to pieces, and made proclamation that all in the Khalidan islands should don black in mourning for him. Moreover, he built in his memory a pavilion, naming it House of Lamentations, and on Mondays and Thursdays he devoted himself to the business of the state, and ordering the affairs of his levies and lieges, and the rest of the week he was wont to spend in the House of Lamentations, mourning for his son and bewailing him with elegiac verses, of which the following are sung. My day of bliss is that when thou appearest, my day of bale is that whereon thou farest, though through the night I quake in dread of death. Union with thee is of all bliss the dearest. And again he said, My soul be sacrificed for one whose going afflicted hearts with suffering sore and dread. Let joy her widowed term fulfill. For I divorced joy with the divorce thrice said. Such was the case with King Shahriman. But as regards Queen Budur, daughter of King Gayur, she abode as ruler in the Ebony Islands, whilst the folk would point to her with their fingers and say, Yonder is the son-in-law of King Armanus. And every night she lay with Hayat al-Nufus, to whom she lamented her desolate state, and longing for her husband Kamar al-Zaman, weeping and describing to her his beauty and loveliness, and yearning to enjoy him, though but in a dream. And at times she would repeat, Well, Allah wots, that since my severance from thee, I wept till forced to borrow tears at usury, Patience, my blamer cried, heart's ease right soon shalt see. Quoth I, say, blamer, where may home of patience be? This is how it fared with Queen Budur. But as regards Kamar al-Zaman, he abode with the gardener in the garden for no short time, weeping night and day, and repeating verses bewailing the pastime of enjoyment and delight, whilst the gardener kept comforting him and assuring him that the ship would set sail for the land of the Moslems at the end of the year. And in this condition he continued, till one day he saw the folk crowding together and wondered at this. But the gardener came into him and said, O my son, give over work for this day, nor lead water to the trees, for it is a festival day, whereon folk visit one another. So take thy rest, and only keep thine eye on the garden, whilst I go look after the ship for thee, for yet but a little while, and I send thee to the land of the Moslems. Upon this he went forth from the garden, 
leaving to himself Kamar al-Zaman, who fell to musing upon his case till his heart was like to break and the tears streamed from his eyes. So he wept with excessive weeping till he swooned away. And when he recovered, he rose and walked about the garden, pondering what time had done with him and bewailing the long endurance of his estrangement and separation from those he loved. As he was thus absorbed in melancholy thought, his foot stumbled and he fell on his face, his forehead striking against the projecting root of a tree, and the blow cut it open, and his blood ran down and mingled with his tears. Then he rose, and wiping away the blood, dried his tears, and bound his brow with a piece of rag, then continued his walk about the garden, engrossed by sad reverie. Presently he looked up at a tree, and saw two birds quarrelling thereon, and one of them rose up and smote the other with its beak on the neck, and severed from its body its head, wherewith it flew away, whilst the slain bird fell to the ground before Kamar al-Zaman. As it lay, behold, two great birds swooped down upon it, alighting, one at the head and the other at the tail, and both drooped their wings and bowed their bills over it, and extending their necks towards it, wept. Kamar al-Zaman also wept, when seeing the birds thus bewail their mate, and call to mind his wife and father. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the two hundred and thirteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Kamar al-Zaman wept and lamented his separation from spouse and sire when he beheld those two birds weeping over their mate. Then he looked at the twain, and saw them dig a grave, and therein bury the slain bird, after which they flew away far into the firmament, and disappeared for a while. But presently they returned with the murderer bird, and alighting on the grave of the murdered stamped on the slayer till they had done him to death. Then they rent his belly, and tearing out his entrails, poured the blood on the grave of the slain. Moreover, they stripped off his skin, and tear his flesh in pieces, pulling out the rest of the bowels, and scattering them hither and thither. All this while Kamar al-Zaman was watching them wonderingly, but presently chancing to look at the place where the two birds had slain the third, he saw therein something gleaming. So he drew near to it, and noted that it was the crop of the dead bird. Whereupon he took it and opened it, and found the talisman which had been the cause of his separation from his wife. But when he saw it and knew it, he fell to the ground a fainting for joy. And when he revived, he said, Praised be Allah! This is a foretaste of good, and a presage of reunion with my beloved. Then he examined the jewel, and passed it over his eyes, after which he bound it to his forearm, rejoicing in coming weal, and walked about till nightfall, awaiting the gardener's return. And when he came not, he lay down and slept in his wonted place. 
at daybreak he rose to his work and girding his middle with a cord of palm fibre took hatchet and basket and walked down the length of the garden till he came to a carob tree and struck the axe into its roots the blow rang and resounded so he cleared away the soil from the place and discovered a trap-door and raised it and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the two hundred and fourteenth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when kamar al-zaman raised the trap-door he found a winding stair which he descended and came to an ancient vault of the time of ad and tamud hewn out of the rock round the vault stood many brazen vessels of the bigness of a great oil-jar which he found full of gleaming red gold whereupon he said to himself verily sorrow is gone and solace is come then he mounted from the souterrain to the garden and replacing the trap-doors as it was before busied himself in conducting water to the trees till the last of the day when the gardener came back and said to him o my son rejoice that the good tidings of a speedy return to thy native land the merchants are ready equipped for the voyage and the ship in three days time will set sail for the city of ebony which is the first of the cities of the moslems and after making it thou must travel by land a six months march till thou come to the islands of khalidan the dominions of king shahriman at this kamar al-zaman rejoiced and began repeating part not from one whose want is not to part from you nor with your cruel taunts and innocent mortify another so long parted had ta'en heart from you and had his whole condition changed but not so i then he kissed the gardener's hand and said o my father even as thou hast brought me glad tidings so i also have great good news for thee and told him anent his discovery of the vault whereat the gardener rejoiced and said o my son fourscore years have i dwelt in this garden and have never hit on aught while thou who hast not sojourned with me a year hast discovered this thing wherefore it is heaven's gift to thee which shall end thy crosses and aid thee to rejoin thy folk and foregather with her thou lovest quoth kamar al-zaman there is no help but it must be shared between me and thee then he carried him to the underground chamber and showed him the gold which was in twenty jars he took ten and the gardener ten and the old man said to him o my son fill thyself leather bottles with the sparrow olives which grow in this garden for they are not found except in our land and the merchants carry them to all parts lay the gold in the bottles and strew it over with olives then stop them and cover them and take them with thee in the ship so kamar al-zaman arose without stay or delay and took fifty leather bottles and stored in each somewhat of the gold and closed each one after placing a layer of olives over the gold and at the bottom of one of the bottles he laid the talisman then sat he down to talk with the gardener 
confident of speedy reunion with his own people, and saying to himself, When I come to the Ebony Islands, I will journey thence to my father's country, and inquire for my beloved Budur. Would to heaven I knew whether she returned to her own land, or journeyed on to my father's country, or whether there befell her any accident by the way. And he began versifying. Love in my breast they lit and fared away, and far the land wherein my love is pent. Far lies the camp, and those who camp therein. Far is her tent shrine, where I ne'er shall tent. Patience far deaf me when from me they fled. Sleep failed mine eyes, endurance was forspent. They left, and with them left my every joy, wending with them, nor find I peace that went. They made these eyes roll down love tears in flood, and lacking them these eyne with tears are drent. When my taste spins once again would see them, when pine and expectation but augment, in my heart's core their counterfeits I trace, with love and yearning to behold their grace. Then, while he awaited the end of the term of days, he told the gardener the tale of the birds, and what had passed between them, whereat the hearer wondered, and they both lay down and slept till the morning. The gardener awoke sick, and abode thus two days. But on the third day his sickness increased on him, till they despaired of his life, and Kamar al-Zaman grieved with sore grief for him. Meanwhile, behold, the master and his crew came and inquired for the gardener, and when Kamar al-Zaman told them that he was sick, they asked, Where be the youth who is minded to go with us to the Ebony Islands? He is your servant, and standeth before you, answered the prince, and bade them carry the bottles of olives to the ship. So they transported them, saying, Make haste thou, for the wind is fair. And he replied, I hear and obey. Then he carried his provant on board, and returning to bid the gardener farewell, found him in the agonies of death. So he sat down at his head, and closed his eyes, and his soul departed his body. Whereupon he laid him out, and committed him to the earth, unto the mercy of Allah Almighty. Then he made for the ship, but found that she had already weighed anchor and set sail, nor did she cease to cleave the seas till she disappeared from his sight. So he went back to whence he came, heavy-hearted with whirling head, and neither would he address a soul, nor return a reply, and reaching the garden, and sitting down in cark and care, he threw dust on his head, and buffeted his cheeks. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 34 of the Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3. Recording by Leonard Wilson, Springfield, Ohio.